We're going to have a great time together. We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about overcoming fear. We're going to talk about recognizing, overcoming, and defeating fear, which is a spirit and it's a mindset. Before we get started, I just want to share with you, we love you. Thank you for joining us either on audio or video or social media. I'm David. This is my lovely wife. Joanna. There's Joanna waving. There's the Queens wave. Yes, 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 yes. So David and Joanna here are beating in virtualchurchmedia.com. You can also visit us on Virtual Church Institute, curated content specifically designed for your accelerated growth. Quantum Christianity. Leapfrog anointing. Go check it out. Quantum Christianity. Virtualchurchinstitute.com. Tonight, let's get started. Let's get right into it. Before we go there, I just want to let you know we're with a live audience. Say hello, everybody. Hello! Hey, never a dull moment here on Wednesday night. If you're ever in Central Florida, come on by Orlando area and encounter the group and the Lord who shows up. Let's get right into it. Recognizing, overcoming, and defeating fear. Fear is a spirit. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God will never give you a spirit of fear. The, 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 the Bible says, Jesus says, in the end days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Men's hearts will fail them for fear, but God did not give you that spirit of fear. So when you have fear come upon you, it's a choice to lean into God for faith to arise. Perfect love casts out all fear. A quick story, I was minding my own business in Leavenworth Penitentiary in Building 63 in 1990 when I was there for a jaywalking ticket um, or stolen jet airplanes for the Colombian cartel. I deserve to be there, but in response to my mother's prayers, the Lord visited me, saved me. But that didn't mean that even though I was translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son through the born-again experience, I was washed in the blood. Instantly, my name was in the Lamb's Book of Life. It didn't mean that the enemy stopped trying to get me back. When the Egyptians finally let the Israelites go and they went out of Egypt through the wilderness to get into the Canaan land, the land of promise, the Egyptians then followed them. And that's what often happens. When a spirit is cast out of a person, it goes to dry, arid places seeking rest, Jesus said. But when it finds none, it comes back to the house from whence it came out of. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. So when you get delivered and things come out of you and you get free out of the enemy's grasp, it doesn't mean he's done with you. It means that he'll try to follow you and get you back. An abusive man will go chase down a woman who's escaped his grasp and he'll try to get her back. The enemy wants to try to get you back, but you don't have to allow it. God wants you into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He wants you to live in the shalom peace of God. He wants you to have power over the enemy. He's given you authority to trample on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Acts 10.38, King James Version. So God wants you to be the head and not the tail. 
He wants you to trample on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. So that's your lot in life as a son or a daughter of God. And there's a, an old song in, in Spanish that says, Aunque un ejército acampe contra mí, no temerá a mi corazón. Though an army encompasses itself about me, I will not fear. You can have the peace of God that bypasses your understanding in the midst of the storm, in the midst when people might have guns in your face or there's a bomb threat going on or people are dying around you because of a pandemic, you have a supernatural peace because you dwell in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. You say of the Lord, He is my rock and my refuge in Him will I trust because I've paid my vows unto the Lord. I will call upon Him in the day of trouble and He will answer me. I will not fear the arrow that flies by day, nor the terror that cometh by night. I don't fear it. It may be there, but it doesn't affect me. I am cocooned in the secret place of the Most High. I'm cocooned in the bubble of the Lord. I'm cocooned, wrapped in the angel wings of protection. You know, we think of feathers, but you know, the angel feathers are like armor. You know, nothing comes through them because they are protected by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They're like, you know, Captain, shields up, shields up, Captain. Angel feathers come up, boom, everything is putting on the cloaking device now, putting on the cloaking device. Jesus walks through the midst of them when they try to throw him off a cliff and no evil befalls you. If it's your not, not your time to go, it's not your time to go. There's an old joke. Well, you know, what if you're on a plane? It's not your time, but it's the pilot's. Well, the good news is, just a thought, you know. The, the good news is everybody else that it's their time, they will not make it, but you will because he will command his angels regarding you to pick you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. So these are the promises of God and all the promises of God are yes and amen in the Messiah, Jesus. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. This is King James Version. The fear of the Lord. Now we're going to talk a different kind of fear. First we talked about the fear of the enemy. Now we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. The reverence of the Lord. The respect, the honor of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord will keep you from sinning. The fear of the Lord will keep you in a place to where you won't fear the enemy. At the end of the day... We really are going to fear. We're either going to fear the enemy or we're going to fear the Lord. How many would rather fear the Lord and have no fear of the enemy? Amen. See, here's the interesting part about it. Fearing the Lord is a choice. If we make that choice, we'll have no fear of the enemy. doesn't mean we won't be tested. But if we choose not the fear of the Lord, we will fear the enemy. We will fear sickness, disease car accidents, early death, divorce, poverty, financial issues. We'll fear the sounds at night. We'll fear getting broken. There's so many things that we can fear, but we can choose to fear the Lord and have the Psalms 91 protection. Isn't that a great, wonderful way 
you know, perfect love casts out fear when we hide in the secret place of the Most High. When we love the Lord, He fills us with an unexplained peace that just literally fills and floods our being and gives us stability. I remember when I was uh, in prison and there would be like prison riots and people would be like, well, you know, what about, what are we, we burn the place down and what about if the guards come in? I'm like, I'm not really concerned. I'm in the Psalms 91 protection. I just, yeah, but this could happen in the Crips and the Bloods and, you know, the dirty white boys and then you've got the Black Panthers and you've got this and that and you've got the, the, the Sardanios and I'm like, I'm with a different gang. What gang are you with? I'm with a gang of angels. And I will fear no evil. For his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And uh, when I was a young believer, I had been born again. I was in Leavenworth Penitentiary in Building 63. I had started to talk about this. The Lord had brought it into remembrance. And uh, I had had uh, an encounter with uh, the enemy. And this is, this is a true story. And... As God was delivering me from the enemy and old lifestyle, uh, the enemy came in through a dream and tried to tempt me through a dream, through what would be like a succubus spirit, and I rejected that because I was born again. If you don't know what that is, you can Google it or whatever. There's incubus spirits that will come you know, against women, and succubus spirits will come to try to tempt men, and they're, they're real. And so I said, no, you know, I'm, I'm born, I'm, no, I'm not, and it was in this vision. And when I saw these reddish-orange eyes out of the right side, I knew something wasn't right in this dream, and I, I rejected it. I said, no. And I woke up, and there was two reddish-orange eyes in a black luminous haze staring at me. And here I am in Leavenworth Penitentiary in Building 63, and I'm in that cement and metal cell. I'm on my metal bunk with that little thin, I guess you could call it a, a mattress and there was like 200 cockroaches and there was a bad bad situation and and so here I am locked in the prison cell and there was two other prisoners with me and they were asleep and God kept them asleep while I've got to face this devil and my bed shaking like an exorcist movie now I'm not a mature believer at this point so people ask me you know why do you know the word so well for me it was survival of the fittest if I didn't know the word, because you have to know the word to combat the enemy. Jesus Amen. said when the enemy came to try to tempt him and he came in the wilderness during Jesus's 40 day fast, Jesus said, you know, here's Jesus always responded to the devil's temptation with the word of God. The devil would say, you know, command these stones to be made bread. Jesus would say the Jesus would say. He would talk about the scriptures. He would quote Deuteronomy. And he would say these words. He would say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so when the enemy comes, you have to combat him back with the word. If you don't know the word, you'll fall prey. You'll come into agreement with the lie because the enemy is very crafty. Even to the point to where the devil started quoting the word out of context to Jesus. He says, well, Throw yourself down off this high pinnacle about 700 feet. The devil took him up and he says, and because and, the Bible says that, you know, God's word says he'll command his angels regarding you to pick you up in your hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Do something supernatural, Jesus. You're covered. Jesus said it is also written, do not tempt the Lord thy God. And so you have to know the word. So in that moment, I didn't know the word then 
like I know the word now. I didn't even really have that much of a hunger and a thirst for the word in 1990. But after this nice little encounter with the enemy of my soul, I suddenly had an interest in the Bible at a new level for survival. So here are these reddish-orange luminous eyes staring back at me. There's a black luminous haze over my bed, and my bed's vibrating. There's a black luminous snake with a white and blue stripe down its back glowing, and it's sliding across the floor and going across the ground. And here I am in this situation, and there was the spirit of fear. Imagine that. But I was born again, and I had the spirit of peace on the inside of me, but there was a battle. And, you know, you can get paralyzed with fear. And so I, uh, I looked and I thought about the black luminous snake, which was a spirit on the ground sliding through the wall, and the big luminous black heaviness, and the bed vibrating, and the reddish-orange luminous eyes staring back at me. And I said, I think the lesser of two evils is the floor, so I got out of the bed. So here I am walking on the floor, can't get the lights on, can't open a Bible at that point to like search the scriptures for something to, you've got to have the word of God on the inside of you. It's got to be automatic when you run into these situations. You can't like pull up Google in a Bible concordance at that moment because you're in warfare. You don't train for a 15 round fight during the fight. You train before you get into the battle. And if you knock the enemy out in the first round, great. But if you've won in round one and round two and round three in the last three fights, don't stop training for 15 because you never know when you may have to go all 15. But if you train for 15, you train for 16 or 17, you'll knock your enemy out because you're in good shape. But if you train for one or two and you got to go, pack a lunch, pal, because it's going to be a war. And so long story short, I'm pacing the sale back and forth at eight by 16 cell and building 63 at Leavenworth Prentice Gentry in Kansas. And I'm walking the floor as a young believer. I was probably about two months old in the Lord. And as I'm walking back and forth and I'm like, oh God, I gotta, I gotta put on the whole armor of God. That's what it is. I gotta put on the whole armor of God. Yeah, yeah, I gotta put on the, the helmet of righteousness. No, no, the helmet of, helmet of salvation. Yeah, yeah, the breastplate of truth, truth. No, no, breastplate of, of righteousness. It's the belt of truth. Belt of truth. So I, I'm going through and I'm, the Lord's bringing into remembrance all the pieces. And so here's what happened. I realized I'm getting ready to, to do a 20 year sentence. And I realized, you know, I'm not going to do it walking the floors at night because the devil's kicked me out of my bed. <laughs> the first area of dominion I had to take back against the spirit of fear was my own bed in prison. And so there's this black luminous haze, and I've got to step back into it and face these reddish-orange luminous eyes. So I got ready to go in, and I jumped back in the bed, and I stared back at those reddish-orange luminous eyes, and you could feel that, you know, just that dark presence and the vibration of it, and that fear was coming. And I said, devil, you're just angry because you know you've lost this case. Because I had a case that was in court and they found perjury and, you know, I'm going to get this thing overturned. And, and the devil spoke back to me audibly. And he said, I don't care about that case. I want you. And I lost all the bass out of my voice. I said, you can't have me. I'm a child of God. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. 
And I realized after that experience, which God brought me through graciously, that the devil doesn't care how much you quote scripture, it's how much you quote it in faith and how close you're in proximity with Jesus in relationship. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27, that drives him out. You're hidden in Christ. And right then, I was not hidden in Christ, I was exposed in David, <laughs> in my humanity, not his divinity. And so, I said, well, you can't touch me. I'm putting on the whole armor of God. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I said, I've got on this, the belt of truth. I've got on the breastplate of... Hand reaches through my chest and stops my heart. <gasps> Men's hearts failing them for fear. And my heart is stopped. And I have a vision of the Kansas City Star front page 26-year-old inmate dies last night of unexplained causes in Leavenworth Penitentiary. And that's what I saw the headline and I saw the details. And I thought, I can't go out like this. My mother will never understand how I died after I got born again. And this hand is literally on my heart. My heart is stopped. I can't talk. And I'm paralyzed with fear. True story. Can't make this stuff up. And I said, Jesus, don't let it end this way. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, this might offend some religious people, but you didn't have a hand of the devil through your chest, through your heart, stopped with the devil vibrating your bed in reddish-orange luminous eyes, staring at you during your experience. So I'm just telling you mine. And if you don't like it, ask the Lord to reveal whether it's true. Devil dog dare you. <laughs> so... Anyway, um, true story, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, because I couldn't talk, I was paralyzed with fear. All I could do was think. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of me said these words. He's got such a sense of humor. He said, ha, devil, you're a liar and you're a joke. Ha, and the hand came off my heart and the devil and all that nasty, black, luminous presence went flying off my body from my chest down my legs and went right through the wall. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, you know? I got a little bit of bass came back into my voice. And I'm like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And I'm like, and the thought came to me, man, I really need to start reading the Word, right? You know, because you get the Word right. And so for me, why do I have 20,000 hours in the Bible? Why can't I kind of quote, they call me like the human concordance? For me, it was life or death. For you, it may not be, but for me, it was. But what if it might be life or death for you? Wouldn't it be better to prepare by reading the word, meditating upon the word, getting into Bible study, listening to the word in music with lyrics, spending time in the presence of God so you're in proximity with him and training for a 15-round fight that you can end in one Instead of training for one and having to go 15, or worse yet, men's hearts failing them for fear. Two more times that night, the enemy started to come back through the wall to creep up my legs. And as it did, 
I began to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And as I began to rebuke with authority, not with, you can't touch me, I'm a child of God. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out, devil, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And it went back out. And it came a third time. And the third time it wasn't as strong and it left quickly. And then I was done and I went to sleep. So did I fear gang members or mafia dons? No, I was prepared for the unseen realm of darkness. None of that other stuff bothered me for the next 20 piece or two decades in prison. Because when the Lord is with us, whom shall we fear? Remember Elijah had an entire army against him. And uh, his servant said to him, there's an entire army around us. And he's like, oh, Lord, open his eyes to show him what I see. And the seer anointing came upon Elijah's servant. And all of a sudden he saw the armies of the Lord encamped upon the hill. And he says, more are they that are with us than they that are with them. And Elijah didn't fear an army because God plus one is a majority. God plus one is a majority. Aunque un ejército acampe contra mí, no temerá mi corazón. Aunque contra mí se levante guerra, yo confiado en mi Jesús. We're confident in the Lord, even though an army encompasses, it's based upon Psalms 27. So Elijah knew, even though an army had encamped about him, he feared no evil because the rock of the Lord Jesus was with him and more are they that are with you than they that are with them a third of the angels fell isn't it nice to know we got two thirds with us we will fear no evil so Proverbs 9 10 King James the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding Proverbs 1 7 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline the beginning or the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline james 4 6 god resists the proud but he gives more grace to the humble the word prideful could be unteachable the word humble could be teachable are you teachable that means you're humble are you unteachable? You know it all. You don't need this message tonight. Rock on. May you get that visitation that will move you into the word. Amen. Second Timothy 1 7, New King James Version. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And Proverbs 29 25, New King James Version. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe the fear of the man a fear of man brings a snare so there's the fear of men there's a fear of the devil there's a fear of sickness there's a fear of disease there's a fear of poverty it just goes on and on and on you have so many things you could fear you could fear spiders you could fear snakes you could fear you could fear the russians you could fear the the mexicans you could fear the americans you could fear somebody from a different color you could fear somebody from the same color so many things you can fear, or you can fear the Lord, and then you're covered, and you need not fear anything else. You get to choose your fear. Isn't that cool? You get to choose to fear the Lord and not have to fear 
anything else. Because even when you're done and the devil's got his hand on your heart and stops it, you have the Grim Reaper moment with the Kansas City Star, your local newspaper, with your story on it dying, men's hearts failing them for fear, God will bail you out. Because trust me, I was done dealing. I had failed that fight. But there was one on the inside of me who wouldn't allow me to fail. And he delivered me. Isn't that a wonderful encounter with the Lord? Some of your greatest encounters with the Lord happen when you have some of your greatest encounters with the enemy. And some of your greatest encounters with the Lord prepare you for your next encounter with the enemy. We're always going to be in one of three places in life, whether you're a believer or not believer. It's just a fact. We're either in a storm, we're either just exiting a storm, or we're just entering a storm. So wherever you're at today, you're either in a storm, you just came out of a storm and you're like, whew, thank God that's over. Or now you're just getting ready to enter a storm. These are the storms of life. Believer and non-believer go through them. The question is, who do you want with you in the storm? Fear the Lord. He will be the captain of your ship. Another Spanish. ¿Quién es el capitán de su barco? ¿Quién es el capitán de su barco? Who is the captain of your boat? Isn't it nice? El Señor is el capitán. I don't know why I'm on Spanish tonight, but anyway, so it must be ministering to somebody. That's right. There's the people who understand. We're in Florida. Okay, it's a, it, English is a second language. Okay, Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know how many times it says, fear not in scripture in one form or another. Do not be afraid. Fear not. 365 times. One for every day of the year. When an angel appears on the scene, you know what the most common thing we see them say? Fear not. Mary, fear not. Thou shall be with child. So Isaiah 41.10. Fear them not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 41.10. Seven common fears. Seven common fears. You know, the Apostle Paul said these words. He said, If I was still seeking to please men, I would not be a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1.10. If I was still seeking to please men, you know, a lot of people have approval addiction. That's why social media nowadays offers so many different filters when you post a picture. Because you can add those filters and you can put the makeup on and clean up, you know, the little imperfections in your face. So you can be approved by other people who think you really look like that. <laughs> You know, even if you go into the magazines and you look at these amazing pictures of beautiful men and beautiful women, you meet them in person, they don't look quite like the pictures. <laughs> so what's interesting is I, I, was, I was talking, you know, we, we've run in some of the Hollywood circles, hadn't been on TV for years out in California, and so we'd be on the rooftop of the W Hollywood, we've been to the Grammy Award, you know, all this type of stuff, and people got these awards, and 
I'm looking at them in person and I'm thinking they look this way on the silver screen. And I was talking to someone and they were telling me a story about a very famous A-lister and this person was on the set working in front of the computer, right? And for three days he was working in front of the computer and finally the A-lister in Hollywood, that's somebody who makes a lot of money, like 20 million a movie, comes over and kind of arrogantly she says to him, what exactly do you do here? And he looks up, she says, what do you do? And he says, do you really want to know? She says, yeah, I want to know what you do. I've just seen you, you haven't talked, you're in front of that computer all the time and you just hardly even look up. He says, oh, he says, well, Miss so-and-so, with all due respect, I'm the one that corrects all the imperfections in your face in every scene so that your fans think you really look this way. She says, well, thank you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. So the first thing that we have to battle in life, in addition to the fear of the enemy, is fear of criticism because the fear of man brings a snare. Many people are afraid to live their dreams for fear of what others may think and say about them. You know, I grew up in a Jewish Armenian home. Are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be an accountant? Are you going to be a lawyer? No, I think I'll be a jet thief, right? No. So, bad decision. Should have been a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. But instead, I became, you know, a businessman and a preacher or whatever. But um, So, example, uh, let's say this. Uh, my parents want me to finish my master's degree, student, college student rights wants me to finish my master's degree, but I'm ready to start my business. My parents would think I'm crazy if I dropped out now. What should I do? You know, some of the wealthiest people in the world were college dropouts. Sometimes college is a great thing. For partying. For partying, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. until you get saved. So... So, but sometimes college can put a glass ceiling on you or limit you or box you in because you're trained at those colleges to think a certain way as a W-2 employee. And so you're trained by the system to make a certain amount of money and work for somebody else. But if you're an entrepreneur, you work for yourself and other people work for you. And you can do either. I mean, both are fine. But uh, this is a common theme for many people. But making decisions based on what other people think, even if it's your closest family and friends, can debilitate you from fulfilling your God-given call in life. And if God called you to do something, step out in faith. Proverbs 24, 16, Amplified. And by the way, I'm not telling you if you are just finished your bachelor's degree and you have an opportunity to go get your master's degree that you're not supposed to take it. But if you have a vision from the Lord and it's time to launch out and you have a witty invention or a new idea, go for it. Just go for it. What do you got to lose? If it's the Lord, you have nothing to lose. So amplified version of Proverbs 24, 16, for a righteous man falls seven times, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster and collapse. Did you know that J.C. Penney went bankrupt seven times before he succeeded? Wow. (laughs) Colonel Sanders didn't even start to prosper until he was in his 70s. And it wasn't until somebody taught him how to franchise. He had like two locations. And I mean, his wonderful chicken, I think, is still killing people from the other side today. (laughs) So um, 
J.C. Penney went bankrupt seven times before he succeeded, and he had a hundred and eighteen-year run. But recently, they did go bankrupt again. They're in re, re, uh, restructuring right now, and J.C. Penney went bankrupt. I think in twenty twenty, closing eight hundred and fifty stores. But a hundred and eighteen-year run after seven failures. Though the righteous man falls seven times. He gets up again. Did you know that J.C. Penney, it's an interesting story. He wasn't really a tither the first seven times. And he determined on the seventh time, the eighth time, eight is the number of new beginnings, he was going to start to tithe. He was going to test the Lord in tithes and offerings. And the Bible does say, test not the Lord thy God, except in one area, tithes and offerings. And God says, test me in this. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour down such a great blessing, you won't have room enough to receive it. So, this isn't a tithing message, but virtualchurchmedia.com forward slash giving. <laughs> feel free to partner. Anyway, if what's in your hand is too small to be your harvest, it must be your seed. Don't eat it. Plant it. Get it in today. Okay, debit cards and credit cards. Okay, so J.C. Petty went back. So, what he did was this. He literally determined he was going to tithe, and he was going to live on the 90% and give God the 10%. He wanted God as his partner. And so, he did, and he began to prosper. And so he decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up it to 20%. And he started to prosper more. Then he upped it to 30%. And he started to prosper even more. And he had this wild, crazy success. And finally, J.C. Penney started living on the 10% and giving God into different ministries and this and that to expand the kingdom. And when you partner with God, you cannot fail, especially when you partner with what he's doing in the earth. You know, it might be... A bus ministry it might be a third world country where you're doing orphanages or you might be buying slaves out of Sudan whatever it is you might partner with a ministry in the United States you know we're part of a ministry I just got a, an email they won 2.27 million to Jesus last year worldwide and literally that's like six I think it's 16,000 souls a day or 6,227 souls a day they're winning to Jesus world. We love to sow into that ministry. It's a soul winning ministry because you're partnering with the Lord. Anyway, another one. Uh, interesting facts about Thomas Edison. Invented the light bulb. You know, he invented seven other things, including the phonograph. We call it a record player. He figured out how to do it. He couldn't figure out how to take like the aluminum foil and he was able to capture the sound in the aluminum foil and then play it back like a little silver aluminum type foil, but he could only like use it twice. Now we've got like, you know, records and this and that, we've got new materials, but that should have been his game winner, but it wasn't. He had so many things that you would think would be game-changing winners, but he had seven of them that never went big. Though the righteous man falls or fails seven times, he gets up again. What if he'd have stopped on number six and he went to work for somebody else? would have missed his destiny and we'd still be in the dark <laughs> okay so thomas edison was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive as an inventor edison made a thousand unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb when a reporter asked him how did it feel to fail a thousand times he responded the light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps great success is built on failure frustration and even catastrophe. Never, 
ever give up. Isn't that great? Fear of poverty. Many people are stuck in survival mode. I'm 26 year old and I'm trapped in a cubicle for 40 hours a week, a man wrote. I pay bills and live an average life, but now I can have a better job and reach my fullest potential. But uh, I'm tired of being bored and I want to use my gifts. However, I'm afraid that I'll run out of money. I'm unwilling to get out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. What if I fail? What if you fail forward? You know, football players, they, they, they get tackled. Is that a failure because they didn't make it into the end zone? When they get tackled, they call it yards after contact. You ever seen a football player in the NFL, he gets tackled, he gets hit, and somehow instead of going down, he like, bang, and he keeps going, and he keeps going, and he got three more yards after contact. Did he fail? He failed forward three additional yards, and he got a first down. It doesn't matter if you fail in the journey as long as you fail forward. And even if you fail backwards, though the righteous man falls or fails seven times, he gets up again. So what happens is most people die at 25 and are buried at 75. Most people die in their thinking at age 25. And they're stuck in that job or they're stuck in this or that. They're stuck in that system of thinking. They finally die with the gold watch in their pocket to hand off to their children. <laughs> Live a little. Step out of the boat. Walk with Jesus. Walk in faith. Eleven of them stayed in the boat. One of them got out and walked. Did Peter walk very long? No, he failed. But he failed forward. And he said, Jesus, save me. And Jesus put him back in the boat, and instantly they were to the other side. Who was preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost? Not the 11 in the boat that didn't fail. The failure was preaching. Peter, because he failed forward, he got a first down. He denied Christ three times. That's a triple failure. But he got up again. Jesus restored him. Cut off a centurion's ear. That's kind of a failure. But he failed forward. Jesus put the ear back on. Jesus starts talking. Peter. Whom do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Great job, Peter. Now I'm going to suffer and be persecuted for, you know, I'm going to die on a cross. Not you, Jesus. No, no, no. Get thee behind me, Satan. Another failure by Peter. Peter was working toward that seven failure pretty good, wasn't he? But he kept getting up again, and he was the one preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost. The most impetuous people fail the most but they're also the ones that have the greatest successes because they do not fear getting up and trying again. When they decide to settle for mediocrity at age 25, death comes at 25 or 30 or 18 or whenever you decide. And so you get to choose victory or failure so fear of old age and death, that's another fear. I, I don't think I'm going to live long enough. Well, you know, I, oh, if I die of old age, what if I die alone? If the Lord is with you, he'll bring new friends. It doesn't matter because he's with you and he has angels. And people show up as angels. Fear of failure. This is when most people ask the what if question. They accept, except typically they phrase it in a negative way such as, what if it doesn't work? What if no one likes it? 
What if it fails? These are the wrong questions to ask. Instead of thinking about all the ways you may fail, concentrate on all the ways you might succeed. Thomas Edison said, man, 875. I've just got to be one away. 876. I just got to be one away. You know, in, 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 in Israel, you know, Hebraic culture, and you can find these Israelis at the mall selling like, you know, expensive face creams, right? And they'll try to give you a sample. They'll get you in the booth and they'll put this stuff under your eyes. And they'll have these, these face creams for like $1,000, but they're going to give you a really good deal. And you tell them no. An Israeli takes the first no, like Thomas Edison took the first failure with the light bulb. And after about three no's, the Israeli gets excited while they're selling you the face cream. They're like, wow, we're engaged. I must not have explained it right the first three times. Let me explain it another time. And then four, they just don't give up. And they're like, well, let me talk to my manager. I think I can get this for you at a better price. Good news, $850. And finally, the manager comes out who's also Israeli. And he's, next thing you know, you're buying that thing for $230. It's worth $30 to start with. And you're leaving with this great Jewish deal. It was a great Jewish deal for you because you got $1,000 worth for $230. It was a great Jewish deal for them because they got $230 for $30 worth of face cream. And both left as winners, right? Funny, we were in Las Vegas at uh, the Bellagio years ago. My wife and I, we went into one of those face cream places. And this, this guy, so my wife you know, is in there. And I said, you know, my wife sings in Hebrew. And he says, really? He says, I, I play digital music. Like, could my wife sing to you in Hebrew? He said, okay. And he says, so, Baruch Hashem Adonai, Eloheinu And so her voice comes out and this guy begins to cry. And he's like, what am I feeling? She says, that's Jesus the Messiah. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Ruach HaKodesh. And he says, I can feel it. It goes through my whole system. My digital music doesn't do this. He goes, you're messing me up. He says, listen. He says, I'm going to give you my face cream at cost. <laughs> and so he sold us these face creams at cost. And it was like significantly less, right? And we walked out with the face cream because her gift made room for her and took her before. And he was touched. And she says, Jesus is the Messiah. Search the scriptures and ask him if he's real. And we got bargain face cream. Anyway, <laughs> don't be afraid to share your faith. Not as a Pharisee or a Sadducee, not in a legalistic way, but in a loving way. Be bold about your faith. They're bold about theirs. Fear of offending others. Here's what someone told me. Recently, I'm not going to call human resources until they call me for the job. Plus, I'll end up offending them and I don't want them to think I'm too needy. I'll just wait by the phone and they'll follow up. If I don't get it, then it wasn't meant to be. Really? Really? It's the wrong approach. The fortunes in the follow-up. In Luke 18, the persistent widow went before the wicked king. And the wicked king says, even though I will not avenge this woman of her adversary, because of her continual coming, because of her persistence, 
I will avenge her, even though I do not fear God nor regard men, but because of her persistence. She just keeps asking, seeking, knocking. Jesus says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, the word ask, seek, and knock are in the Greek imperative imperative tense. It's a command to do something now with the constant repeated action in the future. So the word ask, seek, and knock is really ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That persistence. It's like the man who goes to his neighbor and he knocks on the door late at night. He says, listen, I've had guests in from out of town. Can I borrow some bread to feed them? Because of his persistence, the man will get up out of bed and give him the bread. We have to be persistent and not afraid to risk offending others with our persistence. And number six is, and that was number five. Number five is fear of offending others. Number four was fear of failure. Number six is fear of looking foolish. Now, I love this one. Well, what if I pray for them and, you know, they don't get healed? What if you pray for them and they do get healed? Yeah, but what if they don't get healed? What if they do? What if they don't? What if they do? What are you going to do? If they get healed, are you taking the credit for it? Well, no, I'll give the credit to Jesus. If they don't get healed, are you going to take the blame for it? Well, I never thought about it that way. Charles and Francis Hunter, the great healing evangelist that did healing explosions all over the world. Their daughter is Joan Hunter, still in ministry. She's a wonderful person, tremendously anointed. And they prayed for thousands of people before they saw their first healing. They were like Thomas Edison. And then they equipped tens of thousands of people to heal the sick. So don't give up in praying for the sick or sharing your faith because you never know when you get that breakthrough and the next thing you know it just starts happening regularly. So fear of looking foolish. Many times we look at our wardrobe and say, I don't want to wear that today. It will look foolish. Maybe another time, but why not now? We often act as if we want to do what we want to do is wrong. The thing is this. If you look foolish, who cares? Who are they anyway? Do they care about you? Do they have a voice in your life? Now, here's what's interesting. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4.10. We are fools for Christ. Wow, we're fools for Christ. We're compassed on every side. We're surrounded. We're cast down but not forsaken. We're day and a night in the deep. We're doing this and that. We're, we're, we're mocked for the name of Christ. We're fools, but we're Christ's fools. The question is, whose fool are you? You could be a fool or a fanatic for football or baseball or soccer or cars. You could be a fool for women or for men. You could be a fool for money. You could be a fool for this or that. You're going to be a fool for something. But wouldn't you rather be a fool for Jesus and it's in eternity that you get your reward? Because one day we're all going to stand before him and we're going to act foolish then. We're going to feel foolish then for what we spent our time on. Every idle word out of our mouth will be judged. Wow. Okay, that's number six, fear of looking foolish. Did you know that Star Wars reached all-time highs? And here's what's interesting. Star Wars is the second highest grossing film in the history of the world. The only one that's higher than that is Marvel Comics. But, but Lucas... His first, first United Artists turned him down, then Universal, then other studios followed suits. No one wanted to take a chance on an outlandish story about a farm boy and a princess battling an evil empire in a galaxy 
far, far away. It seemed impossible to believe now, but at the time, no one thought a film like Star Wars would ever resonate with audiences and never make money. They were underfunded for Star Wars. He had to fight every way. And eventually, uh, 20th Century Fox took it on, and it became the second largest grossing film in the history of the world because he risked looking foolish. 9.3 billion. Number seven, fear of success. Oh boy. Well, what are they going to think if I'm, I, I don't want the paparazzi to chase me. I don't want to have a life where they, they're, they're reading in. I, I, if I'm too successful, the, the IRS will come after my money. If I'm too successful, people will know me and I won't have any privacy. If I'm too successful, if you're called to be successful, do it. Jesus will protect you. Too often people are afraid of becoming themselves. They're afraid of their true self-expression, which is what real success is all about. Let me rephrase that. Your self-expression is what true, express, or true, true success is really about. You being able to express who you really are, that's success. To a mother with children, her raising them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, that's success because the next generation takes it. And then I want to close with this. Fear. F-E-A-R, is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Fear is really faith in the wrong thing. Wow. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. If you got faith in sickness, poverty, when God says that's not your portion, you may go through those things, but they're not your portion. They're not your lot in life. They're not your destination. They're a temporary item on the journey. You have faith in the wrong thing. So fear is faith in the wrong thing. Fear is faith in reverse. I've watched people coming up out of wheelchairs. And the power of God's coursing through my hand. And strength is coming into their legs as the name of Jesus is being invoked come up. I command the legs to receive strength. I begin to pull them up and they start to come up and all of a sudden they're like all excited in faith and all of a sudden I see in their eyes in that moment what am I going to do? I'm going to have to get a job. All, all of a sudden you see in their eyes what does this mean? And fear comes in and I see them go back down into the chair and you can't get them up the second time because that faith came they saw it, they leaned into it, and then they thought about all the things that they feared. Fear of change. The devil I know is better than the devil I don't. I'm gonna have to get off disability. What about my caretakers? I love my sickness. I love the attention it gives me. And all of a sudden they look at me and I'm their enemy. Trying to pull them into their destiny and they don't wanna leave Egypt. Now, is it that way in every situation? No, it's not. Most people are joyous when they get healed. They're just not joyous calling the disability <laughs> services and telling them they don't need the money because they're going to get a job now. That's a whole other conversation about the healing ministry, isn't it? 
Amen or out. Hallelujah, you're heretic. Faith is fear of the wrong thing. Fear is faith in reverse. Perfect love casts out fear. Ask God to show you his perspective on the situation. Whether it's to stay in the boat or to step out and walk with him. Ask God to fill you with his love. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Ask him to give you the gift of faith for the miraculous. Ask him to give you the gift of faith that will come upon you, that will enable you to get up out of your situation and walk with him. When the gift of faith is present, when the gift of faith is in operation, the impossible suddenly looks logical. When the gift of faith comes upon you, it's not normal faith. It's wonder-working faith. And when the gift of faith comes upon you, you can't imagine it not happening. Whether that's in business, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in a new idea or a witty invention, whether it's in miracles or healings or deliverances or changes in the political climate or your nation, when the gift of faith falls upon you, you'll see it with his eyes. And other people that are not operating in the gift of faith will think you are crazy because you have vision for something that they cannot see by the gift of faith because they haven't been given it. It's like when Elisha said, more are they that are with us than they are with them. So what are you saying? There's two of us and look at all of them. Lord, open his eyes that he might see what I see. And there was the armies in camp. And then Elijah took them captive. And he asked the Lord to strike him with blood. And then he let him go after he fed him. Wouldn't that be a great thing to operate in that gift of faith? Well, guess what? It's yours for the asking. Let us stand. Right now, in Jesus' name, and you can repeat you know, anything you want or just amen. Right now, and, and if you're not born again, if you've never known the Lord, if your name's not in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's a great place to start to get the Holy Spirit on the inside so you got more on the inside than the enemy has on the outside where greater is he in you than he that's within the world. So let's start there. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you. Jesus was hung up for your hang-ups on a cross for you and me. He died. He was buried in the tomb on the third day. He rose from the dead. And if you put your faith in him, you will never have to fear death, hell, or the grave because he conquered that for you and me. So you can just invite him and say, Lord Jesus, I invite you in. Come in, fill me with the Spirit, wash me, cleanse me with your blood. I turn from my old ways, I turn to you. I want to follow you. Show me how to read the Bible and illuminate it by the Holy Spirit so I can grow in you in my walk with you. In Jesus' name. That sounded a little non-emotional, but if you prayed that prayer, trust me, he went in because he took it serious. Just like when you played with that Ouija board, you thought you were just playing a game. The devil took that serious. And I break that off of you right now. I break off torment and witchcraft and all the game playing and all the things that I see in the spirit where you tapped into things, didn't think you were doing much, but it was significant and it gave an inroad and a lean against your life and a lean against your soul that's made you want to do drugs and be tormented and made you want to uh, be suicidal at times and cause you to feel rejected. I break all of that off right now. In the name of Jesus, Jesus. and by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. I speak brand new armor upon you, the helmet of salvation, helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and I just release the lance of intercession upon you as armor. I also declare that breastplate of righteousness fully in place and the glory of the Lord as your rear guard, fully equipped unto every good work. And I also release unto you your angels that are now coming by your side for the next season for you to have victory, victory, victory. And I declare you shall begin to take victory lap after victory lap after victory lap because he always leads you in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I release right now by the power of the Holy Spirit increased faith. Thank you, Lord, that we grow from faith to faith, grace to grace, glory to glory. And now I thank you for releasing the gift of faith, wonder-working faith that will come and rest upon those that are hearing and listening that they'll begin to look at a situation that's impossible and suddenly the gift of faith will rest upon them and the impossible will suddenly look logical and they just can't imagine it not happening. They'll go over in the name of Jesus. They'll break something off. They'll declare something. They'll sow seed that's crazy seed for crazy harvest. Whatever that thing is for miracles, signs, wonders, healings, prophetic words, whether it's business, stepping out of the boat, I declare the gift of faith to now be released upon those under the sound of my voice that Jesus might be glorified and you might come out of fear and into faith and fulfill your destiny that a generation and a generation to come might be impacted by what happens through the work of your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. And those in agreement said, Amen. But well, we will see you next week. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. And we are Virtual Church Media. And we also had a great teaching called HowToFreezeTime.com. HowToFreezeTime.com. If you haven't seen that, go to it. And we're also just uh, privileged to be on Sid Roth. There's a CD series that you can buy off SidRoth.org. And also I encourage you to get this book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. Yeah. It's a true story. And what you heard tonight is one tiny bit of what happened on the journey to freedom as God graciously redeemed me and set me free. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you and your loved ones. God bless you.